Welcome to another CMC podcast. Today we're continuing our series where we're interviewing all of the Grimp North America 2022 teams. And joining us today, we have the 49th Parallel team from Canada. So Pete, you want to say hi and introduce your team? Hi, everybody. 49th Parallel Rescue Team, as Doug just told you. Our team, again, was um, made up of members from across Canada, Tim being furthest away in Brampton. We had Mike come in from Canmore. Then the rest of us were from the Metro Vancouver and Vancouver Island area on the West Coast. Excellent. Hey, thanks everyone for joining us. So Pete, can you tell us a little bit about your team? For sure. We're made up of uh, mostly firefighters. We have some industrial firefighter experience. We did have a search and rescue, retired search and rescue technician who was going to be our evaluator, but COVID nipped him two days before we were supposed to leave. And that's where Mike got the opportunity to, to join in. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It seemed like the never-ending uh, substitution list for the last two years, right? Yeah, there was a lot of challenges that we had from the time we put the team together until we actually made it to L.A. We had to shuffle positions around two or three times just to accommodate family issues and travel needs and then COVID striking at the last minute. So it was an interesting process getting everybody there and, and hoping that there was enough of us standing when the competition started. <laughs> so what got you guys interested in participating in Grimp North America? That's a funny question for me. I was chatting with one of the other team members who couldn't make it, Jeff, about three and a half years ago, uh, almost four years ago now, I guess, when the first Grimp North America was starting. Uh, the email went out through Ronan to see if anybody was interested. And I looked at the email, thought about it, and then moved on, busy, family, you know, summertime, all of that stuff. And Jeff actually reached out to me and said, you know, have you, have you thought about it? Have you looked into it? And I told him that I had, but that, that was as far as I was going with it. And, and then I asked him, I said, why are you thinking of doing Grimp? And he said, yeah, I really am. And he got me thinking a bit more and, and he pushed a little bit. So I chatted with Mark to see what kind of uh, skills, requirements, travel, all those things would be expected. And um, I decided to put my name forward and Jeff put his name in. And then Mark picked the team based on people's, you know, availability experience. And, and they'd already had competition teams competing and they wanted to spread it out and get more people involved. So when he announced the team, here's the funny part for me, I just wanted to join and be a part of Grimp and, and learn. But Mark assigned me as the team captain and that was not negotiable. <laughs> and then everybody else we could figure out as we went. So my experience got off to a quick and fast pace uh, trying to figure it all out. So it was kind of funny in a way because I went from just not even being interested to being interested and then being handed a team. And if I recall, too, you guys at, at Ronan, you guys kind of use the uh, the competitions as a, uh, a vetting tool and also to kind of basically for uh, your staff development, too, correct? Yeah, that is correct. They like to see people put their name forward, put their foot forward and, and do these competitions because of how much skills and knowledge that you get out of it and bring back to the company. And then when we have, you know, more difficult jobs you're a little better prepared and you can offer a bit more to our customer base so and they use it as motivational thing to to move up within the ranks and and achieve a higher rank within the company as well oh that's great then 
So this team, as it was set up, have you guys participated in any other competitions? Not as the 49th parallel team. We've only done Group North America twice. And as it was, we were fortunate to to get a second chance at it. We didn't get in on the, the competition first go round when the first 12 teams were announced, but we were contacted and asked if we would be an alternate team. And we decided to that we would do that. And then within a few weeks, uh, an opportunity came up. So we did end up getting our chance, obviously now. But uh, back then it was, uh, it was a bit of an anxious uh, few weeks waiting. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Has anyone on your team participated in like Grimp and Belgium or, or any of the other Grimps at all? Or were you all first time team members? When we were there in 2019, we were all first timers. Coming back in 2022, I know Jeff and Tim competed together in Belgium, and Jason also has competed multiple times. And Jason was uh, not a last minute, but a, a later addition to our team. Tim's done a few. I'm going to let him speak. Yeah, I've, uh, I went down to Taiwan and did the Chiao. It's like a bridge competition. That competition was beautiful, very well done. And uh, I went and spectated Namur before I came out to Grimpenay. And... Yeah, I got the, asked when I got my real awakening. I went in with a harness and uh, they told me to bring a DCD. So I brought a bar rack and I got laughed out of uh, Belgium there. And then uh, <laughs> from then on, I got the bug and uh, been trying to throw my name in the hat for every competition we can. And uh, went and did Grimp Namur just before Grimp and A there. And it was really good. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to do another one soon. Oh, that's great. And I'm kind of talking offline here uh, beforehand when we're re obviously uh, these get pre-recorded and you guys have got a, a, a team that just finished uh, a competition in Spain here this week, right? Yep. Or last week? Yeah, just a couple of days ago. So they, uh, they came 11th there, so they're, they're quite happy with that. It's, uh, they said the heat was, was quite a bit for them, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had heard it was pretty hot over there. That's the consistent uh, comment from all the teams. Yeah, there was temperatures between 35 and the low 40 degrees Celsius barrier. And I think three of the uh, Ronin team at different times went down with heat injuries. And that was one difference about the Great Day competition is that you could sub in or out teammates. You didn't have to have the same patient and same team lead and whatnot you could move people around so it was actually to their benefit for that competition which is somewhat different from grimp north america where everybody for patients and controller or evaluator once you were identified that was it you were in mm -hmm. and if you uh, had to change out your patient you were not going to score <laughs> i could definitely speak to some speak to some of the heat in our or in a, in a competition being in a few more confined spaces this time around Maybe I'm just exaggerating or rescue one, but going into the bowels of the ship a few times, I'm feeling like 35 was probably a generous number to get in some of those Celsius. spots. <laughs> By the so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, what did you guys do to prepare for uh, for this round? This round was a little bit different for us in that two years of the COVID world had definitely come accustomed to um, video meetings and, and online gatherings. It wasn't foreign, so we set those up pretty quick and we tried to run them once a week or every couple of weeks, depending on scheduling, so that we were getting face-to-face -face communication in. 
and with the positions changing for us uh, so frequently, there was a lot of stuff that we'd already put in place that had to change and so on and so forth. So a lot of video meetings to, to get us going. The online chats, the WhatsApp, the signals, you know, you name it, lots of uh, daily communications there. We were fortunate enough to get four different nights of practice together with four out of the five of us, Tim being in Brampton and not able to fly out for an evening of training and whatnot. So we we made the best with what we had, uh, the four of us uh, out of five with some other uh, staff would come out and um, do scenarios and, and training on, on evenings. And that was pretty much it till we got to the Los Angeles area. We had uh, two days of training scheduled there. And that's where we finished up and showed up to the competition. So, yeah, because I know in the uh, the 2019 competition, that was like the, a couple of days before is the first time you guys, some of you guys, had ever worked together, first right? Time Since you guys are, <laughs> yeah, really, wow. It was like that. That's the way the team was built that time. Uh, that was one of the biggest challenges, other than first time competition, was the fact that we were first time and never working together. Wow. Yeah, it was certainly a curious experience watching our leadership put that team together. I think when we all sort of saw the names on the list, we kind of all did the, what, wait, what? What's going on here? Uh, who are these? Like some people we knew each other, but not well. And then looking at the geography of it all was like, how is this going to work? I remember going through that and wondering how it all came together. And then, you know, as we sort of came together as a team, both online and talking to each other and then starting to actually get some FaceTime with each other. Same with Pete, like getting handed the, you know, handed the captaincy right out the chute and just kind of floored by that. Things didn't make sense off the start, but we weren't the chess players. We were the pieces. (laughs) And it started to really make sense in gel. And we all came together as a team in really fantastic ways that we didn't see coming. And that first experience was pretty amazing. And this follow-up experience really speaks to, you know, the thought put into constructing the team the way it was. And the, there were obvious challenges there, but the the benefits that we didn't see off the start were very obvious once we came together as a team. So very curious how it all came together, but uh, it totally made sense once we started working together. And you guys placed well on this competition too, if I recall. I think we did okay. Um, I think we're all pretty proud. And we, I, honestly, I can speak for most of the guys, I think, when I say we just wanted to show up and do did a little better than we did last time. And we did a lot better than we did last time. And yeah, very. there's a lot of small victories in there emotionally and mentally that we might touch on through this. But for sure, there's definitely lots of things in there that we all personally and as a team wanted to achieve this time around that we went a long way past. So it was a pretty amazing experience for a lot of reasons. Yeah, we set some some reasonable goals in the beginning, you know, being our second time around. We really focused on wanting to complete all the scenarios. I'll touch on that in, in a little bit, but definitely wanted to c- complete the scenarios. We wanted to come away having learned a bunch of new things like we did last time. And I really stressed that while we're doing that, we needed to have some fun and we definitely achieved those. And then with the result that we uh, we got, and nobody said it yet, so I'll say it, finishing in third place was uh, it's pretty amazing for all of us. We definitely exceeded expectations, which were, you know, measured. We didn't come there wanting or dreaming. Well, dreaming, yes, but not, not wanting a podium finish. And getting it was absolutely amazing. It was great for all of us. It was great for all of our family and supporters. So, yeah, I'm 
it's been a couple months and I still haven't shaken the smile off my face. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was that big of a deal for me personally, and I'm sure the guys would say the same. And yeah, you guys should be proud. I mean, there was some stiff competition with all those teams. So you guys definitely earned what you got. That's for sure. Yeah. And that's what made it so incredibly special was to see those teams as, you know, banquet unfolded. And, and we got to the, the portion where teams were getting called up starting in 12th. And we got all the way through and fourth got called up. That's when we realized, wow, like this, this is like unbelievable. We all had pretty stunned <laughs> looks on our faces. And seeing the teams that were called up before us, uh, you're right, there was some stiff competition there. And it made it just that much more special, knowing that um, our efforts scored us a little higher and we got that that moment, that recognition. We ended up looking around the table going, uh, are, are we counting right? Wait, we're, are we at five? Or, wait, are we at five or four? How many teams have been up? Wait, where are we? Oh. <laughs> Well, and speaking of competition, I think uh, kind of one of the unique things that ended up happening, uh, because for our listeners, we had 12 teams. They were divided into two flights, an A and a B flight, each with six teams. And so there was an A and a B team that basically went head to head through the entire, through all six events. And uh, you guys ended up going head to head against the other Canadian team, uh, TNT Work and Rescue. So I think that'll lead to some good stories as we keep going oh, yeah. here. So. <laughs> For, uh, for us, maybe. I don't know about <laughs> <Definitely>. them. <laughs> Absolutely. Some, yeah. some cops. We did have some fun at your guys' expense when we did their podcast. So got to give you guys uh, equal uh, billing here to, to be able to, to get back. So let's kind of start going down through our scenarios here. So let's start with uh, Room with a View. Sure. Room with a View was one of my personal favorites with the ascending rope on the side of the ship in front of the public like that. I definitely enjoy that opportunity. My family was able to be there uh, in 2019 and watch. Not so this time, but it's such a neat experience to be able to demonstrate the, the skill. And when the videos and pictures come out after and friends and, and people see what you're doing, they're, they're just shaking their head. You're nuts. Look at all the stuff you got hanging off of you. Why, why would you want to climb a rope? But for me, it's one of the things that I, I enjoy the most. Uh, it's not an easy skill. You definitely need to practice and, and be ready for it, especially that distance. It's a, a nice middle distance, if you will. It definitely wasn't a short climb, but by grimp standards, not a long climb either. We did have a crack at that one in 2019, and it, it went pretty smooth for us then. So getting a, a second chance was was fun. There was a few subtle changes this time they threw in a knot pass for one of them and our guys are we're ready for it i don't think it, it stumped us in any way we had a good plan coming out of the gate and we kept things simple one of the guys is not a speedster when it comes to climbing so and one of the rules was four out of the five team members had to ascend so right away i knew i was leaving the one fellow down and he was happy about that <laughs> <laughs> we picked our order based on skill and speed i sent cole up first because i knew he was gonna have to do the knot pass and he blasted through that and got to our patient and then my next member to go up was tim so that we could get going on the rigging i put myself as the team lead going up third just so that i could get get up there and, and get uh get in control of the situation 
And then Jeff, who's not with us on the cast today, he came up fourth. And that's what was kind of interesting this time is by the time Cole got up there, got patient contact and packaging going, Tim got up there and got rigging going and his gear and everything. I got up there and things were kind of moving along pretty smoothly. Now, the, the rules stated that you had to get four members up to the top. And I realized as Jeff was making his final 15 to 20 feet that we didn't need him up there. And so I asked the evaluator, what is the rule? Like, what part of him needs to get up here? And he didn't understand what I meant. I said, well, does he have to touch it, stand on it, perform a skill up here? Like, what are we looking at? And he said, oh, I see. Yeah, I guess as long as his knees are up on this deck level, that would constitute uh, the fourth member arriving. I said, perfect. As Jeff was doing his knot pass and starting to gas out, I yelled, as soon as you get here, you're going to turn around and head down. <laughs> you could almost hear the tears in his voice. <laughs> and then from there, Cole and I were able to uh, move our patient. Tim took up slack with our system, which was, again, looking back at pictures and video from, from the competition, that was one of the things that we picked up last time and we brought forward this time was keep it kind of lean and, and simple wherever you can. And we were definitely lean and simple on our technique and gear. It, it moved smoothly, efficiently. It met all the needs and we got our patient out onto the edge and Cole went with him and everybody made it down and we were done about 10 minutes faster than we were the previous competition. So we definitely picked up some, some tips and skills and, and put it to work. And so it was, it was our second scenario order run again, feeling pretty good at this point in the competition. Well, that's really impressive. You did it at 10 minutes faster, and this time there was a knot pass added in. Yeah, again, that, that's all on Cole. You know, he nailed it getting up there and, and dealing with the knot pass, and then the rest of us had an easier time. <laughs> Definitely lots of little things picked up from the first time. I can't discount that as a rescuer. One of the more challenging scenarios to manage a basket and ride a basket was this scenario. Just from going from a vertical plane um, on the initial descent and then transitioning to, to what basically ends up into a cross hall. And I think that's the way most of the teams did it, unless they put a tagline and they tensioned that tagline to bring it down to the target. Riding a basket in that way, you can't be on top. You just can't. And I don't know if some of the other teams tried that. I know in the last competition, some did and they kind of flipped over. And I think somebody ended up with the basket almost upside down or something to that effect. So sort of knowing that ahead of time and getting around behind the basket as opposed to trying to be on top of it and setting up in that way was definitely helpful. And then managing that cross hole. Pete started with giving commands, I believe, and then eventually just saw that I was able to sort of manage both sides and then passed it off. And I was able to coordinate with the bottom and the top at the same time, in, out, in, out kind of thing. And it uh, it went really smooth, felt really great. And we got all, all the way down to the target and didn't have to do a, uh, maybe that's where our 10 minutes came in. We didn't have to do retrievable anchors over a handrail, <laughs> get everybody down to the last bump. So yeah, lots of things learned. And for sure, that's something that, you know, moving forward, whether it's in career or rescue or anywhere or competition, understanding that sort of dynamic when you've got like a tagline like that and a cross hall and then you're a rescuer riding the basket, finding the right place to sort of put yourself might be under the basket as opposed to on top of it or beside it. Yeah, good takeaway. That was the first evolution that was up in, in a very public view, if you will. The second one was the stacks. So. <laughs> yeah. This one was, was uh, big for us. 
the stacks is is where we had an axe to grind from 2019. That's where we started in our competition in 2019 on the Friday afternoon. There's a lot of things that went into that scenario that uh, didn't go our way. Uh, in the end, we had it the system built and it was over our patient and we ran out of time. So for three years, I have had sleepless nights and anxious moments forever wanting to do that one again. And here we are 2022 getting back into the competition. Wayne comes around and grabs all the TLs and this was, you know, Friday morning, first scenario. We're all anxious and thinking about a lot of things, mind going in a lot of directions. And Wayne calls TNT and myself over and says, you're both heading to the stacks. And it was all I could do not to smile and jump up and down because, man, did I want to get that one. And I wanted to get it done and out of the way so we could just move on with our competition. So it was, a, it was an anxious feeling, but a good feeling to get called back to do that one first for us. Again, we would be silly to not have talked about that one a lot and be prepared for that one. And, and so we did and we were. We got a good briefing this time, which was one of the things that it was difficult last time. The information, there was a key piece about going off the end of the catwalk that wasn't included in the briefing, which kind of set us snowballing in the wrong direction. That was done perfectly. So that helped. We knew about that narrow catwalk and that also caused us a lot of problems last time. So we identified a couple solutions to deal with that, stuck to them, and we got Cole going out there first and got fast patient access. We had Jeff right behind him, who was going to be our far side uh, rigging. And then I had Jason and Tim behind me. I stationed myself at the end of the catwalk so that I could have eyes on everything. And we moved through the scenario. There really wasn't any hiccups this time. Progress was always happening, which was awesome. It was almost surreal at some points because everything was going so smoothly. I was like trying not to get too uh, anxious or, or uh, complacent with the situation. And then we got our patient up and down with a rescuer. We started tearing things down, made some good judgment calls in, in the middle there, getting Tim to get our releasable ropes so that the three of us could get down. He was able to, to be there when Cole and, and the patient arrived, giving him a hand. And, and then Jason and I did a quick clean on the, on the near side and we were down there. The The trickiest part was just getting Jeff back. We used some, some advantages of the ship, some railings, and got him to hop railings using a safety line rather than actually ascending rope. And uh, when we piled into that finished box, I tell you, that was a huge relief to get that done and get it done right out of the gate. It was a huge boost for the team. We got fortunate TNT's releasable anchor hung up on them. So we got a few minutes up on them on the first scenario. And, and I think that's what started the, the war games back and forth was like, all right, it's be <laughs> like that. Is it? One of our things that, that we like to do as a team is, is we, we have our cheer, the 49 PRT cheer. And we had our moment with our 49 PRT cheer. And it was, we heard later it was bugging them. Well, I get that, but it, it wasn't to, to bug or bother anybody it was for us it's just how At we first it was how we compete anybody. how we go <laughs> funnier well then we found out and yeah <laughs> a funny story though is being up on the stacks and being public people thought we were cheering for tnt because it, from a distance 49 prt was sounding like 49 tnt and that got back to me and i thought that was kind of funny as well We've got to give credit where credit is due, though, for the uh, the stacks there. 
the uh, TNT did help one of our guys that when he had the uh, tower lanyard stuck on his back. So if they did, yeah, help that's him, right. Unhook that for him. I forgot to mention that. And that's, I was hoping Jeff would be here for that. But once they got to the far side, one of the rules was they had to locate a Y climbing lanyard to ascend up to the top. And they went into the area. They didn't see them. So they carried on and couldn't find it. And they're frantically looking around because it's holding them up. And the TNT team member found it first and grabbed the other lanyard for Jeff. And then they helped each other uh, by clipping them on to go up. And when they came down, they helped each other to unclip as well, which it's good to see. Wade, their TNT team lead, and I were, you know, 15 feet apart. And we were chatting and he jokingly said, just leave them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that. But, uh, but it was all in good fun. That spirit of competition and the camaraderie. There's lots of good stories, and I'll tell one later for sure. But that was one takeaway from 2019. But from this one in particular, really see a lot of guys, you know, helping each other out. Yeah, we're competing against each other, but at the end of the day, you know, nobody's leaving anybody high and dry. And li- even just little things like this, like the lanyard, is a really good example. You see something and see somebody struggling and something basic, and it's just like it's right over there, dude. Just grab it. Or, you know, very small bits of help from the opposition really speak to the spirit of the event. And uh, like I said, I got, I got a good story about that later. But it's a really good feeling at the end of the day to, uh, to have everybody helping each other out and when you're competing against each other at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. That's the whole reason we're there, right? Is to learn from each other and help each other out, right? Some more with the stacks, like, like Peter's saying, the stacks is a really, it's a really, I mentioned earlier, there was some personal triumphs that happened here. The stacks is one of those things that just like Pete said, that's haunted him and the rest of us for three years. One thing he left out is at our first attempt, we left two ropes behind. So we were trying to build an English reeve with four ropes instead of six. So that made things particularly complicated. And I have to own that as a rescuer. And I can't say for sure, but I might be the other rescuer who forgot the other rope. It was me that left a rope behind. We were all jazzed. We were all jacked up, ready to go off and, you know, kick butt and take names. And uh, we gave our chant and we left our depot. And me and the two rescuers who are not using ropes left our ropes behind. And then we got there and we're like, okay, this is what we're doing. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. We have a slight problem here. So we had a few things to overcome there for sure. We didn't make that mistake this time. And uh, <laughs> needless to say, much like Pete uh, grinding himself over the last three years for it, that's something that's been on me for three years as well. <laughs> There are lots of personal, lots of little things that we took away from the stacks. But one thing that I might add there, things that we've talked about and things that we did as a team, like Order of March was really important for us. We tried to make everything basic as a team. So we talked about a lot of stuff, but there's a physical situation in the stacks where you can't fit beside each other and you can't actually move around each other and you can't actually do things. So it's really important to establish who you want to go where and in in what order. Right. So things like that were really crucial to how we operated through the whole event. And that one in particular was literally a physical representation of why it's so important to figure that stuff out ahead of time. And Pete did a really good job as a leader to establish that that was an important thing. And we need to nail that down and uh, figure out who's going first and where and why and all that kind of stuff. So that's a big takeaway from us from that and the whole event, I would say, that we decided was a really important thing to focus on. (laughs) Nothing like having one of the most complicated uh, rope systems to rig in the tiny, tiny little catwalk to do it in, huh? Yeah, I'm still haunted by Tim asking me to tension the blue rope. (laughs) 
because we only had four ropes and two of them got doubled and the two that got doubled were blue, I had four blue ropes in my face and couldn't see around him or the column. So tension the blue rope <laughs> still haunts me to this day. Yeah. And so that was one of the other takeaways is make sure you got different colored ropes for goodness sakes. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. So you went from uh, top of the world there in the stacks to kind of down into the bowels of the ship and the catacombs. Yeah, the catacombs. That was uh, an interesting one. It wasn't what we were expecting. And I'll, I'll clarify. We'd heard uh, or had seen teams arriving back to the staging area very early. And once we'd kind of heard where they were coming from, we, we knew something might be up. But then when we get there and I get the briefing and I deliver it and we're in motion, the clock's already running. Cole's my first guy to the hatch and he looks and he says, it's straightforward. I can see the patient at the end of a long hallway. And we knew we were at the bottom of the ship because they'd explained that. So we realized that we were in a bit of a different situation here where we didn't have to complicate things. It was quick and easy. We grabbed the patient packaging device. We got our rescuer with the device moving forward and two people kind of supporting to help move the device through all the hatches, got to the patient, got a quick package done, and then threw the hatches all the way back. It was very quick. I, I think uh, somewhere around 14 minutes or something like that. But it felt like a track and field sprint race uh, in the end. You know, it was just, you're shot out of the blocks. You need to get there. You need to get them and you need to get back. Because we'd heard there, well, we knew there were some quick times. And at that point, that was day two for us. So we had three three good scenarios under our belt and we felt like we were going strong and, and we wanted to keep that momentum going. So yeah, we, we treated that one like a sprint race in the end. With that uh, scenario, the one thing that really hurt us, but even though we did well, but the one thing that hurt us is our patient was six foot four and 200 pounds and everyone else's patient that they're bringing is five foot two. <laughs> so <laughs> His size 13 feet, we had to just start cramming in through the hole and everything like that, which it was fun for, for us, <laughs> but poor Scotty. <laughs> yeah, he had to get twisted laterally to get through his shoulders. We couldn't put him flat. We had to do some lateral twist through all those openings, which just took more effort. Well, kudos to you guys for picking a big patient because, like you say, a lot of them were, you know, kind of, kind of right at the... Uh, just at that uh, 60 kilogram or you know, 132 pound mark. So, yeah, he was about 20 to 30 pounds lighter than our other <laughs> options. So, he, he got nominated. Yeah. He, he's actually getting a reputation as a career patient on the grip circuit. So, if uh, you other teams are out there and you want more of a challenge, uh, give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Great kid, great haircut, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's some Grimp video of that flow. There's some club videos in San Francisco of them, too, if anybody wants to look those up. <laughs> I think we better let that one lie there. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll uh, move on up to Broadway here. So Broadway for us was when we started the Underground for scenarios. So that was our first one. It was different than the last time we were in that area, which was good. It was more of a challenge this time. Still using a tripod, but the tripod stayed in one place. We didn't have to break it down and move it around as, as we did last time. 
we got our plans laid out again early and got uh, fast access with the rescuers down. The challenge, though, was once they got down there, it was a left and a right. It was completely dark, and there's a few decks where your patient could be. And everybody says, well, why don't your patient just call out? Well, there was rules in place that if your patient called out, you're going to lose points. So patient had to remain very quiet, and these guys had to scour around these uh, three decks on either side of the area down there and try and find them. Um, that's where we probably burned some time. I remember at about the 10-minute mark going over and talking to the evaluator that was up top saying, does it normally take this long to find the patient? <laughs> and he just shrugged. So I thought, okay, well, I guess it is what it is. But um, we found the patient and then I ended up needing a rigger down there as well with the rescuers because there was a lower involved. And that was our plan. We got a, a rigger down there to assist with the lower and, and got our patient back and and then had our system ready to go and had a rigger or sorry, a rescuer ahead of the patient because of the tube, there was some lighting and things in there and I just didn't want our patient to get hung up on it. So I had one above and one below in the tube and then we were able to uh, facilitate patient movement through the opening with that uh, rescuer on, on lines as well. So it went really smooth for us. I was super happy with it. But uh, I know Cole's, this is where uh, I want to kick it over to Cole. He's got something interesting to say. Yeah, for sure. This is that scenario where I had a kind of a really touching experience, kind of indirectly. And what had happened is one of the international teams, one of our international teams, they had a controller, the evaluators, of course. And what had happened is uh, I made access down the shaft. I started looking, realized the ground we had to cover was much too much to do on my own, called down uh, our second rescuer, got him in motion. And then after finding the patient on the third floor, like as far as, you know, into the search as you could go, said, okay, we need to do like a multi-pitch lower here down three decks. So we'll need to rig up a system. Let's get a rigger down. Timmy came down and uh, we had, you know, we had a few different ideas, just basic lower with the DCD and a pitch head ASAP or something like that, or, but all of them involved ropes and rigging and it was going to take a little, a little bit of time. Timmy in his infinite wisdom came up with, you got a Grion on you? Yeah, I got a five meter too. So two five meter Grions seemed like a, an absolutely uh, brilliant idea. And I, I stick to it. They, it was a brilliant idea in, in, in the right moment. Very minimal rigging, absolutely gets the job done for a short lower, and we got to go down three stops. So it was perfect. Packaged the patient, we did just that, got him down all the all the three bits, and then we made our way back out the access and all the way up to the top. And then we finished, and uh, one of the, the guests, um, help me out. Evaluators. Yep. Evaluators, thank you. Walked over and grabbed one of the Grions on my hip and said, I want to have a look at this. And he took some pictures of the back of it. And what I didn't know, and I'm not sure uh, if everybody else did, but it was the new version of the Grion is rated as a descent control device. The old version of the Grion is not. So per the manufacturer's instructions, one's good for lowering and one's not. And I didn't know that, but we used one of each. And what had happened is I guess the guys judging were having a discussion about it. And there was some, you know, some argument about whether or not that should be allowed or that's okay. And this guy had come over and he had a look at it and he's like, um, don't worry, I'll get this back for you. And he went over there and basically argued on our behalf. And um, it went to the extent where he came and took them off of my harness and brought them over and said, look, 
look at these things. This is something we do. There's nothing wrong with this. One is good for DCD and one is not. Doesn't matter. So really at the end of the day, one is a DCD and one is a backup. It, it That should fly. No problems. And he argued hard for us. He argued for us to keep those points. He argued in the spirit of the competition way beyond what was necessary. And um, that really, like, like I said, he could have just said, no, that's fine. Not a big deal and left it at that. But he, he went to bat for us hard. He didn't back down from that fight. And as I know, I don't know what the scorecard looks like, but that probably landed in our favor. And uh, that left a really big impression on me because this is a, you know, a competitor, somebody that we're fighting against for points. And he didn't have to fight that hard for us. And he did. So that was a really, really, you know, touching thing that happened in the competition. And I hope it happened in more places than just with us and probably did. But that's something that I don't want to escape the experience at all, because that was really meaningful and important. And I, you know, later on at the awards and stuff, I made sure we had a good conversation with them and told them how, you know, how much that meant to me and the team and how, you know, with the level of integrity there, you know, second to none and much appreciated. And he just kind of said it was the right thing to do. That's, that's all there is to it. So yeah, that was a really touching and meaningful moment that happened in the competition that I really want not to escape the experience and everybody to know about. Yeah, I think that, that's an awesome story, and it really speaks to the, like I said, the the, the core and, and are some of the the core values of grip, and that's, you know, to work together and competition takes a second place to doing the right thing and learning. Yeah, yeah very nice. So after Broadway, then what we have on the list, I'm not sure what order you guys did this in uh, Shaft Alley. What do you guys think of that? Shaft Alley is where we finished the competition, and again, another interesting scenario below decks. Nice big opening, some rigging provided for you to get started. We got our briefing done, got our rescuers down the hole and, and frantically searching. And again, this was another left and right and where is the patient? And it took took a bit of time. One thing that we knew based on the uh, briefing was that there was two lines for ascending. So they were looking for those lines. Once they found those and got a rescuer up, they found our patient on a very tight ledge. And that's where packaging had to occur. It was hot, tight, difficult space. And again, last one of the competition for us. So it was definitely starting to become a fatigue issue. Got two rescuers down there with a rigger to do the lower, knowing that there was ascending lines and that you couldn't use the ascending lines. So two of us stayed up top and built, built our raising system. And while we were waiting, we initially attached to the rigging uh, that was provided and then remembering how tall our patient is and eyeballing things we started moving the rigging up the the staircase and then we moved it twice we moved it right to the top of the staircase just so that we didn't have any issues but we had the time so it was kind of something fun for us while the guys were unfortunately working incredibly hard down below um, getting updates and of the struggles and I could hear the heavy breathing. <laughs> they got the patient back to beneath the opening. And then it again, using a team member above and below to negotiate the, uh, the tight openings, uh, and our patient in, in the, uh, the dragon lift. Yeah. Got the patient out, got everybody on their way out. I remember again, like I've said, this was the last scenario and Cole being our number one rescuer had been on point, uh, for two days doing everything first and you know the most physical labor was always on him and he was grunting 
to get up the lines. Like I could just hear it every stroke to climb. He's dying. So uh, I, for fun, I started yelling at him. <laughs> and uh, there were spectators there. Uh, some of the language I used, I'm not going to say in the podcast, but uh, everybody that was there enjoyed the show, in, including Cole, because even though he was ready to drop dead, he, I got a chuckle out of him, so I knew it was working. But uh, yeah, we we made it back to our finish line and and had our our final cheer of the competition, and it was a pretty uh, pretty un- unreal moment right there. Being done, getting all the scenarios finished for us, which was you know one of our priorities and our goals as a team to to not get denied this time, and and we made it. So definitely felt really proud in that moment with the guys. I shared a few words down there, just. Uh, my thoughts and thank yous and wanted to let them know, you know, how much it meant to me and hoped, you know, it meant a lot to them too. Oh, that's, yeah, that's great. No. Yeah. Uh, with that one, that was uh, when Cole went down first, he went searching. I was the, the second one in, I went left, he went straight. And then it was funny because when I turned the corner, I saw a bunch of evaluators. I'm like, I think it's this way. All the evaluators <laughs> are there. So we quickly went around the corner he started descending and, um, looking for a spot to rig there to for to lower the patient down there was barely anything it was great to that we got the black mambas like during a uh the pre pre-course there when they're having a nice lunch and everything i'm like oh this is it worked out absolutely great to have the black mambas so we rigged them up there and it was a beautiful lower and i got the other rescuer to help me and just the the ground was it, it wasn't well kept as it probably was before so part of the ground is given out on you when you're walking and carrying the patient and i was like oh this is (laughs) this is lovely and going up the final one i was like i didn't need to ascend because i could easily climb it with an asap so i was always tied off so it helped helped out a little bit because it was only i'm i'm six four so it helped out easy for me to jump up but uh that was a cool really worked his bag off on that one because when I made it around that corner, I could feel the heat and he was up three more story or two more stories. And that heat was just probably unbearable. Yeah. That was definitely a trial of will. Uh, that last one for sure. <laughs> Pete mentioned, um, the very last one on the very last day and, and exactly to Timmy's point, it was very hot three, three up in that hole that had no real airflow or anything like that. We, we kept doing the, you push, push on your helmet and just watch, watch, a, you know, <laughs> two liters pour out of your face um, onto the patient. Yeah. Yeah. Scotty and I got very close over that competition, but um, we mentioned earlier in Spain, the guys, so we had a few guys succumb to a heat injury. That was, that was my destiny at the end of this one. I, I had to lay down once we got into the finish box and Pete's like, just stay there. Just the, you're fine. Just stay there. <laughs> But that was super challenging and really good, really definitely really good scenario. Packaging on that ledge was challenging for sure. Uh, really hard to move. Very good scenario. Well designed, I have to say. Um, and uh, Timmy's rigging made it all that much easier for sure. As the package came down, he kind of had like a bit of a cross hall thing going on. And they kind of just redirected the patient right kind of out the door. He left a lot of garbage behind for me to clean, but he did a good job. <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair enough. Those black mamas were awesome, except they were hard to get off of those hinges. Yeah, it was a really, really great finish, and definitely uh, that that's all I had left for sure. And if I recall you guys saying, Mike, uh, you were the evaluator, and that was the station that you were at for the A-flight then, huh? 
So you got a chance to see six teams solve that problem. I did. Yeah, it was uh, it was incredible seeing all six teams affect that uh, scenario differently. You know, all with similarities, but you know whether it was a drop loop four to one, whatever on the uh, on the tail end of it. But everyone attacked it differently, and um, it was amazing seeing the speeds and the focus of the teams that came through was absolutely incredible. You know, everyone was really driven, and and it taught me a lot. You know, in my rescue career, you know, you see intricacies that you don't get to see being involved in the evolution right what to bring what not to bring what you truly need what you don't need so from my perspective like i i took that as one of the most absolutely amazing learning opportunities in my rescue career for sure yeah i think you hit it right on the head too because that's uh i've been evaluated in both the group nannies and that that's what i love the most is just watching how the different teams you know solve the problem and you know, some are positive learning experiences and some are not, but uh, you learn from all of them nonetheless. Oh, exactly. You know, and, and also seeing what they're problem solving, I guess, how they're problem solving through situations. It really, it was great. You'd see people fully pause for a second, think about the situation they're in. And it was almost like they're running through different scenarios in their mind of how to accomplish the goal at that point. And then it, you'd see the aha moment and then go straight to it. It was impressive. And seeing some of the, you know, the bigger, taller guys that are generally not, you know, hull of a ship material kind of thing like powering through it was it was impressive seeing some of those big guys come through and you know seeing how hard they were working man yeah i was a bit jealous and a bit uh thankful i was on the evaluator side of things <laughs> what jealous because they're tall not like you <laughs> no <laughs> wait, wait. I, guess, I can say that i'm a short guy I'm yeah short i was guy. just gonna say cole Whoa. cole how tall are you is that the pot calling the kettle black i fly four to eight when i'm on my tippies on my tippy toes no i definitely seeing everyone working their butts off and rigging and problem solving made me wish i was uh, involved in the competition but it's you know it's six of one half dozen the other i loved the the learning from being an evaluator and i love the camaraderie and i love being a part of the team the guys were all absolutely amazing and you know and thinking about you know my future and rescue and thinking about how i would attack different scenarios and different things i definitely learned a lot from watching all the guys go through the uh through the evolution great so hey, we'll uh, we'll head on out to our our last scenario here, very appropriately named. You're not gonna like this. <laughs> so I love that one. And so far, <laughs> <laughs> once we got into it and finished and got back out, I I felt that whoever named it was spot on. Um, <laughs> it, it wasn't awesome. It was pretty dirty, pretty dusty. Some interesting challenges like right out of the gate just getting into the hole you know you've got that elevated like four foot high hatch that you're crawling through just to get going and then through a couple of baffles and then you got to go down tubes that are almost offset but not quite are you going to make it or you're not going to make it kind of challenges so we'd kind of seen part of it before in 2019 it was it was slightly different and we were in a different spot on the ship so that definitely change things again it, it was kind of it fit into our our plan of okay we're we're getting a rescuer down on on fast access lines we're going to do a raise we knew our system type for raises was it going to work once the rescuer was down confirmed it was going to work so boom everything went into play high point was set everybody was busy the whole time trying to uh, get to the patient get them packaged get them back get them out 
it went smooth for us. I mean, again, our, our patient doesn't fit through these hatches when you lay him flat or supine. So we're trying to position him slightly lateral to get him through these openings. And we couldn't even get full hands on. I got caught in the middle in between a pipe, him and, and the wall. <laughs> I'm trying to drag myself out. Of course, everything on me is hooking on to everything around me. And once I got myself out of there, we were able to, uh, to get him through that last opening and stage him to get him to do the lift up and out. <sighs> we got that done and most of us were ready to be done that scenario at that point. Like it's <laughs> more work than you, than you realize when you're lifting a human that way. But again, yeah, it was, it was dank and dirty in there. It, uh, it wasn't the most fun I've had, but it was still a good time in a twisted <laughs> sort of way. Yeah. Ironically, that, that is a lot of people's favorite scenario because of the challenges in it. Uh, that one I felt was uh, pretty good. We had a uh, cold going all the way to the bottom and we did a, uh, a big drop loop to him. And I believe we only hauled the patient up. And so Cole's busting his ass to, uh, going right behind him. And we're doing a, a six to one resetting the whole time as we go. The piece of equipment we've uh, we've never used before, so it was the EOLF uh, I-beam uh, little clamps, and they worked out absolutely great. And uh, as we're hauling, this one guy was hauling and one guy was resetting, and it it was I found it was very smooth coming up. And then when he got halfway to the hole, it was like oh we ran out of room, and that was when we had to use a little bit more, more muscle with our the length of our patient. <laughs> Timmy got physical. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that the E-Wolf I-Beam clamp because I know the, there was one team in the A-Flight that had one and then you guys had one and I, when I, I talked to Jason actually on Saturday night on the, you know, on the ship before uh, the banquet and we got talking about that, that device and uh, very, very impressive device, kind of nice lightweight mm -hmm. way to have a beam clamp. Nice and light, that was the big thing. I definitely like the scenario. I, I have to say, I think this time around, it felt a little more simple than the than 2019's version of it. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how or why, but it seemed a little more basic. Went off pretty good for us, and we came out, you know, strong and finished well, I thought. And, uh, you know, the biggest question on my mind at the end of it was after finding out TNT had beat us by like 15 minutes was, how did they cheat? I don't get it. Uh, clearly they cheated because how can you do that 15 minutes faster? Yeah. So had to have some conversation with them about it. Apparently they did the same things we yeah. did just better, but uh, yeah. Well, and like I said, the ship that we actually talked about this on TNT's podcast too. Yeah. The ship's crew did a good job of messing with you guys. Yeah. They, they had literally just left and And uh, so I was actually standing out in the hallway when you guys uh, came out and did your cheer I look over and then you guys were instantly looking to, to the finish area for the other, you know, over where the A-flight was. And then when the ship's crew said, oh, yeah, they, they, were, they were out here 15, 20 minutes ago. The look on all of your faces just just dropped. You know, it was like, you got to be kidding us. <laughs> yeah, I didn't believe him at first. I, I honestly thought uh, the ship's crew was just having some fun at our expense because, you know, having done that scenario three years prior and, and it wasn't easy and then being in a different area it went thought it went really smooth like right around an hour kind of a time mark for us and super pumped and thinking oh yeah look in and don't see him and think oh yeah we, we beat him we got we got out ahead of him <laughs> you know there's a there's a canadian rivalry there for sure 
we were having fun with it and so were they and then no he was dead serious they had left and yeah you're right it, it shocked <laughs> us we're thinking we were moving along at a good pace and they'd already cleaned up and left yeah huh. in the 2019 <laughs> scenario they unplugged the fan and to mess with you this time uh Jason Heinsohn, he used basically a whole roll of electrical tape on that plug to make sure no one unplugged that fan. <laughs> Actually, Doug, you were our evaluator that time, and you I came was. along and unplugged the fan right yes. in front of me, and I was, yeah. I thought, what's going on? And I just kind of <laughs> smiled and walked away, and yeah. that's when I knew I just needed to plug it back in. So yeah. knowing that trick from last time, yeah, Jason thought it would be funny, so he put electrical tape all over that plug <laughs> on the outside. But the joke uh, was on us because the evaluator inside the space had an extension cord in there and unplugged the fan from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we learned some tricks too, right? So Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh but yeah, that, and that's kind of cool because I know I remember you guys did a really good job in 2019 on that scenario too when you were in my flight. And uh, oh, it was it was down to the wire for us though. Oh yeah, we but, we finished within the last minute, uh, yeah. and that was a that was a rush in itself. Knowing yeah. we were that close. Uh, but I, yeah, there's there's some teams that didn't finish, and there's multiple teams that finished with less than a minute to spare. So, especially in 2019. Yeah. So. But no, so no, you guys did did very good this time from what I heard. Yeah, it was important that we learned from the previous competition. I mean, that's the whole point of it. And mm -hmm. we came back better rescuers with, you know, I, I guess, a few tricks up your sleeve or just experience more than anything. But we learned and, and used that knowledge and it, it showed for six straight scenarios. So it was awesome. Yeah. And there was a couple new and obviously the, the scenarios that got repeated from last time we tried to put some twists in it really the only one that we didn't have to change anything up on was the the one in the wing void that was cruel and unusual enough it didn't really need to be changed yeah and the stacks uh, from what i recall it was very similar but it, it was tough enough the, the challenge to to get that high line built in in those areas of the ship it did present a lot of challenges um, just being right there didn't need to change much. Yeah, so kind of speaking of that, so why do you think some of the scenarios were more challenging for some teams and, and you know, less challenging for others, you know, you know, more straightforward? Yeah, I'm just going to refer to a note that I wrote on that subject. I think there was lots of reasons why. Hearing stories afterwards, um, simple communication errors between team members at, at critical times, slow them down, cause problems. Missing key information was another one that, that I heard about after during the briefing and then relaying it to team members. Uh, could have been language barriers, could have been just haste, uh, hard to say, but it definitely sends you down the wrong path and, and causes problems that uh, you might not overcome. I've already said this, but I'll say it again. We learned a lot from that 2019 competition about competing itself you come to this competition with rescue on your mind and focus on your technique and your equipment and everything else, but there's a certain element of competition that you also need to be aware of. And that's that, you know, the judges are standing there watching and listening to everything you're doing and you need to paint the picture for them. So your team communication 
doesn't just need to be between the two of you or three or four or five of you, but it needs to be so that the, the judges are hearing what you're saying and following along and making sure that, you know, things that you say that you're doing are actually getting done and recognized. And then you add in a, a clock and some difficult challenges and, you know, pressure can can turn people uh, in, in multiple directions and sometimes for good and sometimes not. I, I think that's a few examples of, of what could have possibly caused teams to not be successful. And, you know, I'm sure there's plenty more. But So what was your guys' best takeaway from the event? For me, again, circling back to what we learned in, as a team in, in 2019, we definitely adapted uh, a lot of things this time. Uh, last time, it was sometimes the techniques that were being used were were a latest and greatest and that's you know we, we wanted to be on the cutting edge and and trying to do those things but moving forward realizing that it doesn't always have to be the latest and greatest to to get the job done so we as a team built plans that were simpler this time so you know gear simpler don't have to have the kitchen sink with you you just got to have things that are going to work in the most situations and if you can justify carrying it or that that term that i've heard the real estate on your belt if it's worth it then bring it otherwise let's leave it at home and in the end we we planned to use less gear uh, simpler techniques and and keep it keep it on the simple basically no yeah and at the end of six scenarios i'd i'd say it worked it was a big change for us. So the biggest takeaway was that it worked. For sure, if I'm ever teaching any classes on rescue or anything like that, that's definitely that that statement that I always throw out to the, the class right off the hop is like, you know, as much as it crushes my ego, the right move at the end of the day is almost the most basic one you can accomplish because more people can follow it. It's got the greatest chance of success and uh, it's way more likely to happen timely in a timely fashion and get the job done. You know, everybody wants, uh, well, I want to, everybody wants to do the inverted Tom Cruise, English Reeve pickoff, <laughs> but it's so complicated and there's so much there that it's just, you know, at the end of the day, the likelihood of success in a timely fashion is very low. So, you know, if we can, you know, I hate to say it, if we can accomplish the same thing with a Zoom boom that's sitting right there, that's what you do. And again, that crushes the rope geek in me. But the reality is the simple basic option is the right move. And we applied that to this scenario and it worked so well. It worked so well for us. So well, I do a uh, Pete's, when, Pete hit the nail on the head. Yeah, you don't need to do a pike and pivot. Two guys can just grab and lift a little bit. It's perfect. It works. Mm -hmm. It saves so much time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. Did you learn anything at the event that, that you're going to be able to uh, use on the job? Yeah, for me, absolutely, I did. I learned a lot of things that I've used on the job, specifically gear, seeing the different types, the different techniques for certain pieces, you know, an Aztec, for example. We're the department that I work for. We're still getting into the rope side of things. I mean, we have some, some stuff, but it, it's uh, got a big learning curve yet. So bringing this stuff back and, and introducing it and showing the uses has been really beneficial. Uh, and an Aztec was one of the pieces of, of kit. A couple of the guys on our team love them and not everybody does. Somebody would, would take a, a Grion, like a five meter Grion over an Aztec. And, and that's personal choice. I, I'm okay with that. As long as you can justify to me that you're able to get the job done, you pick. And I never forced anything like that on anybody, but, uh, 
bringing that back to work and being the the team captain for a second time and running the group and having you know a different level of success we had success last time this time it was just a different level uh, but there's a lot of things that i i learned about managing people and, and communication communication skills and just tempering my own uh, expectations and I, I know i'll be able to bring that back to to work and that was actually some of the comments that i got from from two different evaluators uh, at the banquet you know sharing a drink and, and having those chats and the one guy asked me, so how long have you been a captain? And I said, oh, I'm not a captain. And he said, well, how long have you been a lieutenant? I said, I'm not a lieutenant. And he said, well, then what are you? And I said, I'm, I'm a middle-of-the-road firefighter. Like, I'm, I'm not a senior firefighter, and I'm not the junior <laughs> guy. I'm right in the middle. And he was blown away. And then the comments that followed blew me away. He said that out of the six scenarios he watched, he took the most away from watching me and you know, when you're living your own world, you, you don't realize what impact you may have sometimes. And uh, it was pretty special to hear that. You don't always get that kind of feedback. Um, you don't really know where you stand in the in the world of leadership. So it was pretty validating. And, uh, you know, we had a, a couple good long chats. So that's what I'm taking away from this are those the, the gear and, and leadership. That's huge. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, for me, um Every time you go to one of these comps, you know, you get to meet the manufacturers, you get to meet the people that design the things or the equipment. And it's great to get feedback and give feedback back to them, uh, tell, you, tell them what you like and what you don't like. And uh, they're able to show you the, the new greatest piece of equipment. Like uh, five years ago when I went down to Namur, I got to take a look at the clutch before it was out. It was still the... Uh, the development phase, uh, phase, and then Chow, I got to use it as a prototype during the competition. And when we went back to my department, it was we were still on twelve millimeter rope and uh, bar racks, and it was like, okay, it's, it's time to make the switch. And now, Brampton Fire is now running with uh, eleven mil rope. We have twelve clutches, we have ASAPs, and like we've completely done a one eighty, and that's all because the, the department was open to change and going to these competitions have really helped as well. Oh, man, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so what are our, uh, so just for our listeners, uh, when, when we uh, do these podcasts, we're actually on Zoom and uh, Mike just brought a, a, a stack of clutches and uh, popped in front of the camera here. So that's awesome. What he's not telling you is he's actually really good friends with our direct competition TNT, and he ah. he probably he probably pulled some favors to get that that stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> We've been uh, fortunate at our fire department that uh, one of our captains is he's been involved in the higher end, I guess the more physics side of rope rescue for a long time. So he's been teaching us progressive techniques for a while. So budget and all that in mind, we've been running 11 mil for a long time, but we've been running MPDs with him, which is not the same. The clutch obviously changes the game a lot, but uh, yeah, we've been very fortunate to run him for a while. And they've been actually sitting here for a couple months now. We're just waiting. Our uh, tech team kind of got put on hold with some white helmet changes recently so we're we're getting that ramped up and running again here soon so these babies will be on the trucks here pretty quick oh that's great and can't i be friends with everyone on every team no. or <laughs> <laughs> huh. huh. you're ours yeah. <laughs> go on so <laughs> So uh, would you guys recommend in participating in, a, in an event like RIMP to other teams? Absolutely, without hesitation. 
having done it only twice and at the same event, I would still not hesitate to talk somebody's ear off if they were even remotely interested. I would be the Jeff in the situation of, of myself from that story earlier. I'd be pushing from now on. Um, because after competing, I've noticeably improved skills, um, leadership, uh, the opportunities that, that were presented there and, and lessons learned were enormous. You can't replace that kind of compressed learning curve because when you when you get on a team, let's say you've got six months that we'll call that an average if it's a year, great. But if you've got six months, you've got six months to kind of get yourself competition ready. And if it's a first time, it, it's a steep learning curve. Like I said, you're, you've got to figure out your own style of, of rescue and equipment and, and team communication, but you got to get it to a point where it, it's fast and smooth operations of everything. Uh, and as I learned, there is an enormous world of gear out there the first time. So choosing and, and figuring out which direction to go. But uh, anyway, that, that was more my journey. I, I believe that that accelerated learning, though, is is what made it so valuable is you come out of that six months with skills, knowledge and ability that could conceivably take you years if you're just doing it at a normal pace. So for somebody that's looking at, at getting better and getting better quickly, take the opportunity if it's there and, and you, you'll be uh, rewarded. Like whatever you put in, you'll get out, guaranteed. And that's, that's about all I could really say on that. From my perspective, um, you know, not knowing anyone on the team getting asked to kind of fill in last minute, I was going down to, you know, support friends and hang out and be a heckler kind of thing. Seeing the camaraderie and seeing how, you know, the competition's the competition, but as soon as the competition's over, how everyone spoke to each other, everyone was so supportive and positive. Um, the environment was just so fun and it was electric. Like when we were all together going out, uh, going for dinner or seeing other teams on the street walking by, the high fives and the cheering and everything, like it, uh, it made the event... Um, more than just a competition to me. And I've been involved in other competitions throughout my, my life and careers and other things. But this one was different. Everyone was like-minded. You know, everyone wanted to just go have fun. Everyone would help the other, anyone else when they wanted or needed help. Um, it was like a, a beautiful experience for me. And I can't wait to go back and do it again in whatever capacity I go back in many years to come. Oh, that's great. So, Cole, you had some? Timmy, you in yeah. there? Yeah, I think, I mean, this one kind of reaches back to the first question for me as well. You know, what got you interested in Grimp in the first place? I guess probably by experience and maybe by age, I'm the most junior guy on the team. And for sure, for me, you know, I got involved with Ronan and as soon as I got involved, like, you know, I was tech level rescue everything and I had no idea what I was getting into. And I thought, you know, by NFPA standards, I was like, I kind of knew some stuff. And then I got involved with Ronan and I, my mind was blown completely out of the water and I had no idea what I didn't know. And then I'm looking at all these guys with their years of experience in so many different, in so many different disciplines and how they put them all together. You know, it's not just like NFPA, fireman, rescue 
rescue, it's rope access, it's mountain rescue, it's military and mountain rescue, right? It's, it's every discipline all kind of formed into one. It's the Bruce Lee version of martial arts, right? We're taking all the best bits of everything and putting them all in the, in the, in the crucible and coming out with the best everything. And all the teams are doing the same thing. So you've got this international presence of teams all over the world doing that same thing from wherever they're from and bringing it all together in competition. It's just, you can't get that anywhere else. You really can't. And much to what everybody else said about the camaraderie and how special it is. And, you know, those moments like what I spoke about earlier about, you know, having a a competitive teammate stepping up and doing the right thing and saying, this is totally sound and uh, we should not dock them points for that. That kind of stuff is priceless. And the stuff we're learning from all these people, it's just, it's such an experience that cannot be duplicated in any way, at any other way in any other place. And again, for me, they originally, when I got to Ronan as the younger guy, looking at all these people and then seeing them do this, that was before NA was a thing. And that was like, we're 2015 ish. So Grimp was still not quite as global as it is now. And I was pulling on shirt colors. How do I get on a team? How do I do this? I want to do this. This is like the Navy SEAL stuff. I want to be one of you guys. You guys are awesome. And then NA came up and it it just, uh, that opportunity fell into my lap and uh, I couldn't be more grateful. And for sure, like I said, there's no other experience out there that I'm aware of that will bring this kind of talent, different skill sets all together in a way that Grimp does. So yeah, it's invaluable what you can get out of it. Oh, that's great. Thanks. Very well said. This is the closest you can get to an actual rescue. You got the time pressure on you. You're in a team of five, and this is as close as you're going to get. You have a live patient, so it's not a dummy. You have to treat them with care as best as you can. Even in Great Namur, they have uh, different scenarios where you are doing actual patient care. Uh, We are triaging the patient and everything like that. This is as close as you can get to the real deal. So I feel for teams, this is... When you actually go out on a call, you're not a deer in headlights. You're getting that experience. And even if you just do mini competitions throughout your own department, it's gonna it's going to help quite a bit. It's, it's giving the guys that, okay, you need to move fast. You need to see what's going on. If you're an individual and you're trying to join the team, the one thing I got to warn you, though, all of a sudden you're going to spend a lot of money because I have five DCDs now. <laughs> you just keep paying money at it because it gets addicted. You have fun with it and it's an expensive hobby, but you love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So is anything else uh, you guys want to comment on? Something that I, I took away, um, I work with a, another team. We do a lot of training with Ronan. They come in, bring in their experts in to do some pretty high-end training with us, which is absolutely amazing. And um, we share a facility with a big fire department. Kind of, it's in Alberta. It rhymes with Smallberry. I can't really say their <laughs> name, but uh, we had a conversation. And it, seeing a competition like this, just it, it proves and solidifies the fact that you do not need you know, 20 guys, you do not need 20 bags of gear and you don't need 10 hours to affect a rescue. These are pretty com Well, they're very complex evolutions. And, you know, a, a quote from someone at, at the big city department, they mentioned that, you know, you can't affect a high end, high angle rope rescue with less than 16 guys. And this was within the last couple years kind of thing. So, you know, luck again at our department here in Canmore, where our, our captain was pretty forward thinking. So we've been trained small teams, but seeing these guys, you know, five people, including a team lead rocking these evolutions in 
you know, an hour kind of thing with limited gear, ultimately limited resources. It's kind of a true testament of where rescue is going. And it it's a true testament as to what these guys can do and how they can get it done. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And it's kind of interesting, yeah, the comparison yeah, between a 16-person team and what a five-person team can do, huh? Yeah, exactly, Tim. Yeah, that's what I was going to hit on too. That smaller team probably knows each other a little better and is easy to uh, easier to follow the plan when you got less bodies all over the place and the good idea fairy does, doesn't show up quite as much. <laughs> well, it seems too that yeah, there's a lot more peer pressure to perform if you're on a five-person team, a little easier to hide if you're in a larger team. So anything else you guys want to comment on? Or? There's one story I'd like to share. Uh, we had a moment after the competition. I was just trying to find the video for audio while I'm talking. T- TNT was doing the room with a view scenario right beside us. And we, uh, you know, d- did fairly well and, and we're wrapping up and doing our, as I mentioned earlier, we, we like to do that team cheer. And unfortunately for them, there was a sponsor that was taking a video as they were coming down. So the last guy rappelling down and very clearly in the video is the audio of our team cheer. And if I can get it, I'll play it and hopefully it works for it. But uh, just need a second to find it. (laughs) Here it is. All right. Let's see if this plays. <laughs> yeah. So in the video, like I said, their their last members is uh, rappelling down, and their sponsors getting the action shot. But all you can hear is us clowns on the other other side of the ship. So um, <laughs> finding out about that after was was kind of enjoyable, especially with that rivalry back and forth of you know getting down ahead of them on a couple, and then then they were whooping us on a few down down below the decks. That you know you told that story how it kind of shook us up a little bit but yeah uh, pete isn't that how you get new sponsors yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Skyla. Uh, yeah yeah no honestly from from us the 49th team uh so many thank yous the large group that you guys are for for getting this competition together and, and running it again you know being a second timer and seeing the first and then the second versions of the competition we noticed some huge differences on organization planning things flowed so much better for us like once we arrived we were greeted given bags given great directions great instructions on the equipment from from your staff that was available to to provide insight on all of that scenarios ran pretty close to on time and everything was great you know lots of help we had a fantastic time at the event this time Obviously, the banquet was uh, was the highlight of all highlights for us, um, getting called up in, in third place, and, and we've shared a little bit about that already, but just want to be clear how much it means to all of us and, and how amazing of a, a feeling and experience it was to, to be called up in third place with, with all the other teams that were there and, and how, how difficult they all made it for us to, to finish there, and what I mean is you know, everybody was laying it on the line, and, and for us, third place, wow, it's very humbling. But uh, I know we're going to enjoy that for a while. Thank you to uh, to Ronan for, for getting us the gear and all the support, personal gear, team gear, all of that. Arcteryx for some clothing and help. Strep for some awesome Edge Pro, a Kong helmets that we reused again. Just want to make sure that if, if it's okay to get that opportunity to thank them all out there with your podcast, that's okay. 
we'd like to do that. But uh, and to all the other competitors, it was absolutely fantastic to to meet all the teams and and see them go through everything and see the changes for for several of the teams that uh, getting that first competition under their belt and making it to the end and seeing the blood, sweat, and tears in between. It's really cool. I remember it well after going through it the first time and going through it a second time. And I don't know when I'll, I'll compete again. I know I will, but um, for now, it's just a wait and see. Again, it was great to meet all of them and, and share some stories and, and experiences. And yeah, it, it was a, it was a fun time from start to finish. And I, in a way I'm sad it's over and I'm so glad we got this opportunity to talk about it on a podcast. Cause like I say, it's been a couple of months and my wife and kids don't want to hear about it anymore friends and family they heard all the stories. so to get another go around to talk about this in depth is uh, kind of special because um, it still hasn't left me it still puts a smile on my face when I get up and and think about what we what we got to do and, and uh, the results that we got out of it yeah well, I think it's nice too. You guys sharing your experiences here, hopefully, you know, good motivation for our listeners and they can learn a lot from you guys and from what you, you know, from what you learned and also from your examples. So this is awesome. Yeah, I hope so. And, and that, that's really the, the after effect of the competition is now you can share with anybody and everybody that, that wants to know and, and make them better or make them a little more savvy at their job, help them out with some tricks that you've learned along the way and, because we've learned them now we get that opportunity to, to share them it is amazing and it's helpful and we've been able to make differences in our communities already as Tim shared you know his department's gear has, has gone light years ahead and in a short time and, and he's he's the driving force behind it and it's because of the competitions that he's been to and the, the work that he's put in that's helped and I've been able to uh, help my department recently with some training on some of the newer equipment so it's awesome. It's validating. It, it makes it all worthwhile to, to see the light bulbs come on in, in your coworkers' faces and, and to be the one to share it with them. I love it. That's why I do this. You could just share it in your voice. You know, the, it says it all. Yeah. Anyone else? No, nothing really else to share. Okay. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was a great competition. We're just happy to be there. It's, uh, yeah, like I said, if you have, if anyone has the opportunity to go, go even just to watch it you you will learn a lot and uh, talking to manufacturers you'll learn a lot by, just by talking to them and they learn a lot by talking back to us and you can tell them what you like and what you don't like it's it's back and forth conversation is really good yeah tim's totally right that does remind me of another story um, you know another shameless plug for for michael at, at uh, strep edge protection there you know, he's working incredibly hard to create products that work better for us. And he's the first one to admit, I don't do this stuff. You guys do this stuff. So I need the feedback to make my stuff, my product better, but good on him. I mean, he's been to as many competitions as he can get to and he's listening. He's making the changes. His product is better already and it's only going to get better. And that's, that's just one example. I'm, I know other companies do it, but I can share that experience because Michael and I spoke and, and, uh, you know, I enjoyed our conversations and I enjoyed his enthusiasm and, and he intently listens, which is, is nice, um, you know, as a, as a worker or rescuer on the front line to, to have somebody that's so interested to hear what you have to say. And, and if, if it's going to make their product better, they'll implement it. I got a quick story for you guys, since you guys, Rona are legendary taggers here with, uh, with stickers here. So. No, no, 
last night. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, just uh, rumors. Yeah, so so Michael was in our booth at FDIC this year. So he's standard. He has his one of the, their new Edge Pro pack on, and uh, so while he was basically distracted talking to other people, we managed to take off one of the strip patches, the Velcro patches, and put a CMC patch on and to get a sticker on the back of his uh, pack while he was standing there. So it was awesome. We because he had tagged a ton of our stuff at the uh, the litters and everything else at Grimp. So we. It was nice to get them back. So, yeah, for sure. I don't know, Doug, if you uh, followed uh, our 49th parallel Instagram at all, but uh, I made the trek down in the truck with uh, the two other Ronan employees to get the gear there. And Mark and Ken are legendary at the tagging, and it, it's definitely spread. When we drove three years ago, we decided to tag Walmart, but not with stickers. We just got pictures in all the parking lots and all the trucks on the way there. <laughs> and just marking our marking our location on the way but before we left there was a huge fire at, at their warehouse and i didn't want to tag a walmart on this trip so we decided to go with anything and everything it, it was gas stations um, <laughs> in and out burger restaurants uh, you name it the the two young fellows that were with me they were they were right into it so I noticed TNT's patient, uh, Wade's girlfriend, I believe she had a Roman sticker on, on, the, on her back shoulder before the end of the evening as well. <laughs> that just sounds like it's uh, going to continue the uh, the rivalry between you guys. I'm sure you guys will be finding some TNT stickers, huh? Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. <laughs> so, hey, well, thanks, guys, uh, for joining us on this podcast. And we normally try to keep these things around, uh, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. But uh, I think you guys had so many great experiences, great stories to tell. I'm actually glad this went longer. So for your listeners hung in there till the end here, because I think it was definitely uh, worthwhile with what you guys had to add. Okay, well, thanks again for tuning in to another CMC podcast and stay tuned for more 